The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. We've been uh, just hanging out in Ephesians chapter 3 in this incredible prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for the early Christians and churches in and around the, the area of Ephesus. And, and this letter has been preserved and read and cherished throughout church history. And it is a letter from God through Paul to us. And so I'm excited for us to experience the very thing that Paul is praying for. It's an audacious prayer. And so let's, let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God, we thank you for your word that has power to transform, to open blind eyes, to ransom, restore, forgive, power to save. God, I pray this morning that we would have a disposition of openness, that we would be eager to hear from you, that we would be ready to receive the immensity of what you want to pour out, beginning with strength to comprehend it, strength to experience it, strength on the inside, strength together. God, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and minds and that we would be altered by our experience in your presence this morning. God, we're ready. We confess that our minds are alert and our hearts are open. Our spirits are willing. Speak to us now. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're looking at the uh, dimensions of Christ's love in verse 18. It would be impossible to like explore this passage and all of its nuance. Uh, we could do that for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, but I felt like the Lord was leading us in this season to, to really explore the dimensions. Last week, we started with the breadth of Christ's love, the width of it. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the length of it. How, how long is it? And I love that Paul prays that we would not only comprehend with all the saints these dimensions, but that we'd also experience the love of Christ for ourselves. And I've mentioned in every sermon, there's a difference between knowing something really well and experiencing it for yourself. I remember when my dad, who was an auto body mechanic, taught me about the internal combustion engine. And he taught me about how to fix lawnmowers and how you need fuel and spark and air. And if you don't have one of those things, then you're not going to have internal combustion. And I knew how it worked, 
Uh, and I knew how to fix the lawnmower and clean the filter out and add gas and clean the spark plug and replace the spark plug and keep the thing going. So I knew internal combustion. But I'll never forget the time he let me drive his 1973 Camaro Rally Sport. Four on the floor, 350 V8, and I got to feel the power of internal combustion. I got hooked. And I've been a motorhead ever since, just a little bit. I'm a very responsible driver. There's a difference between knowing something and experiencing it, isn't it? And we have these moments in life where we kind of hit this pinnacle of a moment, and it's an unusual experience that you don't know what you don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever experienced, like, we're over here living like we know everything because we know everything we know. But imagine all the things we don't know, and we continue to have experience after experience where we have our minds opened, and now we know something we didn't know before, and now we'll never unknow that thing. I'm talking metaphorically here, but I'll give you some examples. Um, the talk comes to mind. Do you guys remember the talk? I'm looking around to see if there's any kids that shouldn't be in here. <laughs> remember the talk? You're like, you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, I know things I did not know. I did not know before. I should do a whole sermon on the talk because um, all of us had it just from someone at some point and probably wasn't a very good experience. I think it could be done much better. And uh, our oldest daughter is 12, so we're, we're thinking about that. And um, so, yeah, we'll save that for another time. I'm going to tuck those thoughts away. But that's one of those things that once you know it, you can't unknow it. The same thing uh, is, is um, cohabitating, or in our instance, marriage. Uh, God's design was for a husband and wife to get married and live together forever. And um, so I remember going from being single to being married. And you just don't know what you're getting into until you get, until you get married, do you? I mean, you know things like men and women are different. You know that. I mean, you've been told that. You can kind of see that. But then when you, like, get married, <laughs> it's, like, different, isn't it? It's just not the same as you expected. I love how I don't have to even describe what it's like. All of you are like, oh, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And so you have these moments. Um, childbirth is another one. You know, you, Tiffany and I had a little infertility journey for about seven years. We couldn't have a baby. And, and then uh, we became pregnant. And you start to experience, I say we. I mean, she did all the work. <clears throat> helped a little bit. She did all the work. And, and then there's like the journey of pregnancy for your first one and then the delivery experience. And I remember talking to dads about the delivery experience, which is magical for me as a husband uh, and now as a new dad. And I remember a lot of dads would say the same thing. You're like, yeah, you can't unsee that. Nope. Nope. Never. Never. It's like this moment in time where you all knew all the things you knew and now you know something extra. And um, this is just the journey of life. And I'm assuming it goes on and on and on. I'm a, I'm a young man. I'm approaching middle age gracefully. And I'm assuming there's all sorts of wonders yet to be discovered. And yet I think for many, if not most of us, our experience with God uh, should be like that. It should be kind of one thing after the next, after the next, where you think you know God because you know all the things you know about God and then you have an encounter with God and it changes the way that you understand God. And then you go through something really challenging and difficult, something you didn't expect, something that you didn't prepare for, and then you encounter God in the middle of that in a way that now you know God a little different. And this is what the Apostle Paul is praying for, and it's transformative. And um, I'm pleading with God every day as I consider these sermons because he's asking me to come explain to you the that you may comprehend with all the saints part, And yet there's a component of this, the experience that only God can do. 
And that's why this is a prayer. This is something we're praying to God for him to do something in us that only he can do. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what challenge you're facing. I don't know what you're in the middle of working through, trying to stay in the game with, trying to decide on the precipice of, but I can tell you that God wastes nothing. He uses everything for good. And when you lean in his direction, no matter what you're facing, you can expect to encounter God in a way that will transform not only your understanding of him, but the way you operate in the world, the way you see other people, the way you put one foot in front of the other. And in order for us to kind of start to get our minds around these dimensions, I want to take a little bit of time this morning to consider the length of Christ's love, the length of Christ's love. And uh, length is a, is a funny thing. Uh, you guys know I've been talking to you about Julian. He's four years old. He's our youngest. And he's, a, he's fascinated by the dimensions of everything. How deep is that hole? How big is that ladder? How far up does that go? How long does that take? And so we went on this trip to Tennessee a few weeks ago. And we, we get in the car. And I'm, I was like the dad that was like, let's get the kids up in the middle of the night when it's dark and throw everybody in the car and traumatically and then drive off. And in my mind, they all like fall back asleep. And they like sleep the whole drive and then they like awaken fresh in the sunlight glistening and we're almost there and mom and dad have powered through some coffee and then we're like yay first day on vacation it's not how it was that's not it's not at all how it was we got everybody up at about 10 minutes to five i had been up for half an hour we'd loaded the car the night before tried to get a good night's sleep that never happens kids get in the car wide-eyed everybody was like "Woo, vacation day but we did notice one thing is that uh, on the drive there, we left this really early in the morning. You know, we, we drive through the dark through all the familiar places. So Daytona to Jacksonville, and then I-10 West, and then 75 North, and the sun's coming up as we're approaching Macon, Georgia. And we get through Atlanta just the right time between traffic, and, and, and we kind of cruise in, and we get into Tennessee, and it's like 2.30 in the afternoon, like a little ahead of schedule. And we're like, sweet, it felt good. But then on the way home, we couldn't leave at the same time because we were hitting Atlanta at like 8.30 in the morning, which is like, that's no go. So we end up leaving more like 8.30 in the morning to get to Atlanta, like 11.30 before lunch rush and kind of get through there. We still got traffic. And then, and then you know, you, by the time you're getting home and it's like the, the day is done and the sun is setting, it, that ride home felt entirely different than the ride up. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so there's this, this thing that happens to our experience of time in suffering. Sometimes we're going through something easy and time just seems to fly by. And then there's something about going through something difficult and it makes everything kind of slow down. Do you guys, have you guys felt this? You hear this refrain again and again and again in the Old Testament where the psalmist, for instance, will cry out, how long, oh Lord? Have you guys ever prayed a how long, oh Lord prayer? Like at the end of one of my sermons? You're like, how long, how long, oh Lord? Psalm 13. How long, oh Lord, Will you forget me forever? So this guy, psalmist, feels abandoned by God, can't feel God's presence, feels lost and alone. How long will you hide your face from me? How, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Can you relate to that? 
And yet it's in the middle of that that the person of faith calls out to a God that feels distance to say how long and to pray. And in that act of calling out to God has an adjustment of perspective, verse five. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. I have trusted in your steadfast love. I chose at a point in time to go all chips in towards God no matter what. And in this difficult circumstance, when God feels far, when suffering abounds, when people are against me, when I can't see the end from the beginning and I cry out to you, though you do not feel near me, I remind myself, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And we can go on and on and on to recount the ways that God has dwelt bountifully. And we need this. We need this experience of the, the length of Christ's love to get us through these places. It is a little ironic that the things that are joyful ha happen really fast. So I get to do uh, weddings. I get to go officiate weddings. One of my favorite things to do is officiate weddings. It's a beautiful picture of God's love for people. It's the celebration of one of the most beautiful parts of human life. And um, I tell people this all the time. Um, my favorite part is watching the groom watch the bride. And so when the doors swing open and dad and bride come in or whoever it is, and bride enters the room, I'm not looking at her. Everybody's looking at her and I'm looking at him. I want to see him look at her. That's what I want to see because there's something really magical about that. And one of the things that I do when I talk to people who are getting, about to get married is I'll have this conversation with them about the ceremony because we, we, they're like, okay, what's the order of service and who's, give, who's giving who away? And then you're doing the vows and we're doing, we're doing sand and knots and flames. There's all these things people do now in all their weddings. And uh, we're doing special music and who's coming up and who's doing the reading and is there a prayer? There's always different component parts. And uh, one of the things they'll ask is um, about how long will the wedding be? And you guys have been to a long wedding. You ever been to a long wedding? You ever been to a long wedding in Latin? You're like, I don't even know what they're saying. That just, just goes on and on and on. Well, typically, most of the weddings I do are fairly short. It'll be like between, I don't know, 15 minutes to like 18 minutes, 20 sometimes, where they add a knot and a candle and a flame. And sometimes they'll be so short, they're like 11 minutes long. And I can tell by looking at the ceremony plan how long this wedding's going to be. And they'll be like, they're like, they couples say this to me all the time. We don't want it to be too long because all the guests. And the first thing I say is, first off, it's not about them. They came for you, so don't you worry about them. Stop worrying about them. This is all about, this is all about what's happening right here on this stage. It could be two hours if you want in Latin. I'll learn it, right? Because <laughs> what happens at a wedding is not, y'all had a good show. A wedding is not a show. Can I get amen? But I tell everybody too, this, this, there's this thing that happens and it happened to me. And if you get married, it'll happen to you. You spend months or years planning this event and the ceremony feels like over, just like that. It felt like, you know, 147 days till the wedding and 37 days till the wedding and three hours and it gets longer and longer. It feels like it takes forever to get there. And then all of a sudden you're standing at the reception like, I'm married. Because <laughs> the, the ceremony itself just flies by. Isn't it funny how when we're walking through the easy and fun and joyful parts of life, it flies by and yet when we get into those difficult parts, it feels like time literally feels like it almost stops. Have you ever felt that? I mean, you plan a vacation. Now I don't even want to plan a vacation because we planned a vacation in like January of last year for September. And it seemed like that took 11 years to get from January to September. And now I'm like, vacation's over. And I'm telling stories about it. That's where we live right now. It was like that. It was like super fast. And then this summer, 
We got COVID. That was interesting. Talk about slow days. Some of you guys have suffered with COVID or some other sickness where you feel like it's just minute after minute after minute of how long is this going to pass? And I'm talking to everybody. What day are you on? Day six. Oh, day six. Day six is a beast, you know? It's terrible. And so it's this crazy dynamic. And it's, it's, a, it's particularly interesting to me because I don't have like a natural concept of time. I know this is hard for some of you to, to experience. Do I, is there anybody else like me that does not know if it's been 15 minutes or four hours? Am I, not, am I the only one? I'm glad there's a few of us. I think we're missing brain cells. I think there was like a lack of development uh, during the pregnancy. I really can't tell how long it's been. I really, I have a giant clock just for your benefit. I cannot tell. I wear a watch everywhere I go because I cannot tell how long it's been. And I'm not talking just like during the day, like during the day I get busy and I look up and the sun is going down. Oh, what happened? I cannot tell. But it's also like life in general. Like I don't, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, when did I get old? You know, you ever have that experience? What happened? I was just 24. And so I live in this world, this timeless kind of world. And I know most people don't. Most of you are very orderly and punctual and conscientious of the time. But for me, this reality of, of experiencing time and it's slowing and it's speeding and the highs and the lows. One of the things I love about the scriptures is that we're always directed to the power and presence of God in all things. And particularly God meets with us when we're going through something difficult. So I like these Psalms, like Psalm 13 that cries out, how long, O Lord? And I want you to know too that, I know we get this idea, we sing this song, Hymn of Heaven, I love the song, I'm really digging this song right now. Um, but we get this idea like as soon as we're in heaven, all that's gonna go away. But you know that in heaven, they still say, how long, O Lord? I don't know if you read Revelation, but chapter six, verses nine to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, martyrs, and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long? before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then they were given each a white robe and told to rest a little while longer. God's just a great father, isn't he? Settle down, kids. Let me wrap you in a little blanket, take a nap on the couch, watch Paw Patrol, until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as them themselves had been. God's got, I got a big plan going here and it's gonna involve a lot of moving parts and your part is over, but watch and see. And so we're always part of something that's so much bigger than we can imagine. But I think the most important thing is that as we consider the passing of time and the, the walking through difficult circumstances and the anticipation of joys is that God wants, to have a, wants us to have a revelation of his love in the midst of it. And nothing will transform your experience, whether highs or lows, than an encounter with God's limitless love. And so I'm, I'm passionate to explain this, but also to invite God to open our minds and our experience of his love, no matter where we're at. And I just feel there's a, a special, I don't know, there's a special place in God's heart this morning for those who are really in the middle of something difficult. He wants to meet with you. And so I just pray that as we turn our attention to expanding our perspective on the length of God's love, that he would meet with you in a powerful way. And so I wanna consider God's limitless love <clears throat> as beyond time, beyond time. How many of you guys grew up watching uh, time travel movies? 
I was trying to tell my kids this week, um, we watched The Princess Bride together for the first time. Most of my kids had not seen that, which I thought would be a good idea until after it had passed. And then we had a conversation together and we were like, probably too soon uh, for the kids. And, but I was trying to explain to Tiffany, like we, we, we had like five movies that my dad recorded off of the television and edited out the commercials. Remember, did anybody ever do that? Did you guys grow up like my dad? So we'd get a tape. Remember, you just put a piece of scotch tape over the tape so you could record over it, you know, whatever it was, a football game, your wedding video. You stick it in the VCR, and then you press record, and then you're, like, hovering on the pause button waiting for the commercial to start, and then you press pause, and you wait for the commercial, and then you have all that pressure of, like, is it coming back on? Is it coming back on? Is it coming back on? And, like, God forbid they have, like, an NBC caller break. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no, no, that wasn't it. Oh, false alarm, you know, so we got some of those. And so I literally watched the same five movies my whole childhood. And they were all on VHS, and they were all edited for content length. Anyway, uh, we decided to watch The Princess Bride, and, and we put the kids to bed, and we were praying for their dreams. And Meredith says, um, what other movies did you have? And I was like, Back to the Future was one of the five movies. Did you guys remember Back to the Future? And I love Back to the Future because it like, deals with like, time travel and space-time continuum, and what happens if you change the past and you create an alternate future, and how did you get to that future in the first place? Should have ended up back in this one, I don't know. So you start thinking about quantum mechanics and all that kind of stuff. Anybody else nerding out, geeking out on Back to the Future? Then you have to watch all the sequels to see how they think through it, and their ideology changes if you pay close attention. There's lots of time travel movies, and I don't know what it is with time travel movies and everybody ended up naked, too, because all the sci-fi ones, you're, you can time travel, but your clothes can't. Like, what happened with that? I don't know where anybody... It was like Arnold did it, now everybody's got to do it. So I grew up on time travel movies and started thinking about this kind of like link, this course of time. It's amazing that God's love, um, he intersects with us in space time. Like he made humans in space time. He said, let there be light. He created the heavenly bodies. He created a perfect place for us to dwell with him on the earth and it's set in space time. Before God created everything, there was no need for time because God in himself is eternal. Do you know that? He's timeless. He's beyond time. He doesn't need to exist in time, nor does he need to exist in a body in spatial dimensions. He's beyond time. And his love is beyond time. And so when we, from our human experience, begin to approach God saying, how long? I just want you to know he feels about it a little differently than you do. Do you know that? He's less concerned about the duration and more concerned about the quality of your interaction with him in the midst of it. We've been moving through Psalm 103, which I think is what inspired the Apostle Paul in this prayer on the dimensions of God. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Do you see the instruction instructing our, our own soul in difficult circumstances to remember the works of God? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. He's talking to himself who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He acts to the people of Israel. And then in verse eight, the psalmist is telling us to instruct our own soul to consider the character of God. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And then the psalmist instructs us in our soul to compare the length of life to the length of love. Look at this. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. I love that. Everlasting to everlasting. You want to talk about when God's love started for you? You can't even fathom it because it's an eternity past. It didn't start. It existed in the heart and mind of God before there was a time for it to travel through. Do you know it? And it's from everlasting to everlasting. You know when God's love will run out? Never, because God will never run out. He's outside of time. And it's the God whose love runs from eternity to eternity that wants to meet with you. And he wants his love to be upon you in this moment, no matter what your circumstance. You see, when we get into a difficult period of time, everything seems to slow down. And God's like, guess what? Grass people, dirt man, that's literally what Adam, Adam means. Do you know that? In the, you read the, the Genesis chapter one in Hebrew. It's from the dirt, God made the man. And the man, Adam, is just a different way of inflection on dirt. Just dirt guy. That's all you are. He looks at you and he goes, I am just counting the dirt. That is it. From dust we have come and to dust we shall return. But that mo- those moments in the middle is our awareness of the world as it exists. Our opportunity to connect with God's limitless love our window to receive God's light of revelation. It's our opportunity to have God's love upon us. And the most amazing thing happens. Do you know that we came from nowhere? We are not eternal. But if we will receive God's love through the gift of faith, then we will become one with him and join with Jesus. We will exist for eternity to encounter and experience God's limitless love forever. And that is not within the the nature of humanity. Do you guys know this? Like we didn't with God, we were created. And apart from God, we would be destroyed. And yet, through what God has done in Jesus, we can have limitless love now and for eternity. Isn't that amazing? And it's love that's upon us no matter what we're walking through. I mean, the impact of this reality is settling into our hearts. is like, it's like incredible. It'll transform everything. The apostle Paul was called to do the, the mission work in the first century. That was his calling. That was his vocation. He was repeatedly imprisoned, regularly beat, flogged, whipped, uh, shipwrecked. I mean, the guy was just physically just battered his whole entire life to the point where he was like disfigured and irrecognizable, church history tells us. You see Paul and you go, ho, that is one Halloween costume right there if I've ever seen one. And this is what Paul writes about his experience of pain. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen 
are eternal. Hmm. We are being invited, brothers and sisters, into a love that preceded us. It's a love that God shared in himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a love that is everlasting in its nature, that it exists in eternity past to eternity future. And God wants to fix that love on you. He wants to bring you into that love. And he's done that by sending Jesus. You know, in the psalmist, in Psalm 103, it says that this love is to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. No pressure. How many of you guys, oh, that's me, that's me. (laughs) I'm that guy. Nope, no, you're not. In fact, every Israelite who read this would think, oh boy, I'm in trouble. The reality is, it's not that there's any people, any people group, any person that can keep God's commandments forever, obey all of his rules. But God has provided the perfect Israelite, the perfect son, the perfect savior, the perfect redeemer. And through faith in Jesus, we are gifted his righteousness. We are made sons and daughters. We are adopted into his family so that now we are perpetual experiencers of his great love. And it's a love that never ends. It's beyond time. I love the metaphor before the foundation of the world. Paul used it in chapter one. Jesus prays it in John 17. You loved me, he prays, Father, before the foundation of the world. Jesus is thinking back beyond time to when he and the Father were one with each other and in love with one another and experiencing the love that's in their nature and before they'd even created human beings, before the foundation of the world. Think about that for a second. I mean, we're fixing to build a big sanctuary out here. Do you know that before you have a foundation, you have to have a plan? It's really hard to go to the county and be like, we want to build something. What do you want to build? Something. (laughs) Just going to get some concrete and some wood and start. No, you're not. You got to have a plan and a permit. Can I get amen? Lord, help us. Before you have a foundation, you have a plan. This is Jesus saying, God's plan has always been to fix his love on you. The question is, will you go along with God's plan? You know, we, we shouldn't have to convince anybody to follow Jesus. If anybody has their eyes open to the reality that God's plan was for you to experience his love forever, beyond death, beyond time, this is God's plan for you. How do you feel about that plan? It's enough to alter your perspective of suffering and to infuse your experience of joy in ways that you never could imagine. I went surfing yesterday. Praise the Lord. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was three to four feet at 13 seconds with offshore winds pushing 20 miles an hour. That rarely happens. And the water was like 80 degrees and the air was like 68 degrees. So the water felt like a warm blanket. It was beautiful. So paddled out, surfed for like hour, hour and a half, short board, long board, the whole thing. Had a bunch of good waves. And it's funny, I don't know how many of you guys think this way, but when I go in the ocean and I catch a wave, I, I, I watch these waves coming from as far out as I can make sure that I get myself to them, right? So any surfers in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You're sitting out in the lineup, you say, well, I'm gonna want that one. That always gets my brain thinking, where did that wave come from and how long has it traveled through this mighty Atlantic Ocean before it met me on my board? And my brain goes back to thinking about what, what seismic activity, what storm at sea, what great wind caused this swell to develop and from whence did it come ultimately to find itself aptly shredded? <laughs> you ever think about I flew to El Salvador, Costa Rica, and I'm on a plane thinking about this. I am flying in a plane right now, and somewhere in the Pacific Ocean is a wave traveling, and it and I have a meeting. (laughs) I think about this stuff on the airplane. Gonna ride that one. And then when I meet it, it's like an old lost friend. I'm like, there you are. I was thinking about you. You realize this is how God's love is. You know, he has, an, he has this eternal love from everlasting to everlasting. It's been doing something for a very long time before you existed. And God has an appointment for you to experience it. 
And he wants it to be upon you. He wants you to intersect with it. It's not just thing you, I went to church and felt fuzzy for a minute. No, you didn't. God's love's been towards you for eternity and you felt it. The question is, will you engage with your faith to feel it tomorrow? Will you open up a dialogue with God? How long, O oh Lord? That's a great question. And the answer is, oh, but I've trusted. But I've trusted in the steadfast love of the Lord. That's who I am and that's where I'm going. Mm. That was the long one. I'll move through these other ones quickly. I got some special things planned for you here at the end. Because God's infinite love, his limitless love is beyond time, that also means it's beyond death. Do you guys know that the mortality rate on humanity is currently sitting right at 100%? Do you guys know this? I don't know if you checked in recently or not, but um, y'all gonna die. <laughs> uh, we are. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like the building of Christ church and how do we establish Christ church for the next generation and how do we like make it a multi-generational church? But you know, like a hundred years from now, none of us are gonna be here doing this. Do you realize that? None of us. Like we are here for this little window of time and you've got to recognize, you got to recognize this and, and the further from death you are, the harder this is to fathom, but man, we are moving there at a rapid rate, aren't we? Man, when you're young and someone says death and you're like, maybe if I'm stupid enough and I have an accident, but otherwise I got a long life in front of me. Well, buckle up, kid. You're going to be 40 before you know it. Life happens fast and death approaches quickly, but God's gift is eternal life. Do you know that? God's gift is eternal life. Do you realize that Jesus came into the world in the first century to fulfill every prophecy made to God's Old Testament people, Israel, to fulfill every bit of it, to be the perfect Israelite, to be the light of the world, to be a savior for all humankind, to open up these mysteries that God doesn't want to just save a people. He wants to save all people, and he's going to make a people for himself made out of everybody. And do you know that since Jesus resurrected and sent out the apostles, the good news of Jesus has never stopped being preached all over the world, never. It's been reverberating around the entire globe, and there's an impulse from God's followers to take it to places that it isn't now so that people who haven't heard it can hear it. And that happens in every single generation. And the more people are born, the more Christians head out there to see the whole world evangelized. Do you realize how crazy this is? People ask me these silly questions like, what happens to the souls of people who never hear the gospel? That isn't God's primary concern. His primary concern is, go tell people the gospel. Did you know that? He's literally sending people in every age, in every generation, on every planet, in every tribe, in every tongue, and saying, go, and we do. Do you know this? We have this one short little opportunity, and all of us are facing down death, and what the world needs to hear is that there is a love that God has for you that will carry you beyond death's door. Do you realize that? Beyond death's door. Death is terrifying. I joke about it, but it's terrifying when you think about it. I mentioned that one of my favorite things to do is weddings, but I actually love being invited to officiate funerals because I will never find a group of people more ready to hear about God's great love than those contemplating the death of a loved one. It is so ripe. Sometimes it's very intense, but it is so ripe. And I just wanna encourage you, brothers and sisters, that we have this limitless love of God that is beyond death. I'm feeling it now. It's funny, in your 20s and 30s, all you think about is your accomplishments, the things you want to build, the things you want to see, the places you want to go, the stuff you want to do. And then for me, I'm here in midlife. I've got four children, Tiffany and I, and all of our conversations are about how do we make life better for them? How do we give them a leg up? How do we give them an opportunity to be the best that they can be? Okay, I made it this far, and this is as far as maybe as I'll ever go, but they can go from here. And so our minds get fixed. We want to push beyond our, the end of our own life. Do you know that God's love is the same exact way? 
but you know that he has plans for you beyond death? You know your, the plans God has for you are not for you to float on the cloud with a harp and some wings, with an adorable, cute baby body, with a BMI in the 40s, you know? That's not, that's, I don't know who started drawing those little cartoons, but that's not where this is going. Uh, God wants you to live forever on the earth in physical form, just a resurrected, imperishable physical form. Do you realize that? He's going to dwell on the planet. It's not going to be like it is now. There's not going to be brokenness. There's not going to be power struggles. There's not going to be abuse and violence, and there's not going to be cheating, and there's not going to be all of the, of the nasty that this broken world has to offer because the enemy is going to be destroyed, and people are going to be redeemed, and God is going to dwell with his people, and ultimately the final enemy, death, is going to be abolished, and so we will live forever with God's limitless love. It goes beyond death. This is the hope of the Christian 1 Corinthians 15, Paul contemplating the resurrection, the idea that we're all going to come back from death with new bodies because of Christ. says, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood, this physical stuff, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. That is something people didn't know about, but now they do. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. And so there is a generation of people who will not die because they will be alive when Jesus comes back. And so they get to skip death. Lucky. Might be us. We're all still alive. Just saying. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the imperishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You got nothing on me, death. That's some holy smack talk right there, isn't it? That's like what? That's like what, death? What? What, you wanna do something? Right here, let's go. You ever talk like that when you were in high school? Right before you got slapped in the face? I did. <laughs> I, I did. My dad was like, most people are just cowards, and if you just stand up to them, they'll run off. I'd say, oh yeah, let's try me. Oh, you did. You tried me. <laughs> but not death. Not death. Death's got nothing on us. For those who die with faith in Jesus, you've taken the immortal seed into the grave. And it's just waiting to hear the words, Come forth, and I'm back. I win. And this is God's love. This is the effect of it. Lastly, and I'll close with this, God's limitless love is not only beyond time and beyond death, but it's beyond failure. You see, we do this thing where we judge our imperfect life in the flesh, you know, we got this, this battle that's waging with the spirit at work within us and our flesh residing and we're seeking to overcome. And God's given us everything we need to overcome. You know that? There's literally nothing we lack to obey God completely. And yet we are not fully redeemed and we still have this sin nature, this body of death, Paul calls it. I love the way he talks about it. It's like we're dragging it around. Sometimes we feel like we're dragging it around. But we got this new man and this old man. And so there's a struggle. And it's the stuff that, that gets in all of our, it's our tone. Man, it comes out in my tone so bad. What? Why do you sound like? Why do you sound so frustrated and annoyed? I don't know. 
It's all the little ways. It's all the little things that we, that we do. It's the distrust. It's the, it's the me first attitude. This is the terminology I use for our children. That's a me first attitude. I want it. I want it. Well, both of you are having a me first attitude and we're going nowhere. So what's the solution here? Give it to me. No. <laughs> Somebody's got to share. Tell them to share. No. You don't understand how this works. Do you see? And so we all have this. We're all doing this. And then we sanctify it as we get older. We do it more nicely, you know. Hey, um, since I did the dishes yesterday, could you, me first? That's all it is. So we just, we just polish it up. But here we have this body of death. Um, but we end up failing. We just do. We just will. Uh, we shouldn't plan for it. We shouldn't try to. We shouldn't get, justify our failures. But listen, if you've been around trying to follow Jesus, uh, it's, it's impossible to do it perfectly. Can I get amen? This is why everybody's, everybody's in progress and everybody's welcome here. And it's a no judgment zone because you don't know where they started and we're not going to get into your stuff. So this is where we all live. But we, this thing happens where we encounter failure and then we feel distant from God. And so we do this weird like mind spirit trick where we now think that God's love has somehow waned or somehow distant or put us on probation. And it's no, it's no surprise because humans do this really well. Um, we treat people conditionally. We go, hey, you never notice how easy it is to make new friends? You like meet a new person, you like kind of connect. It's like a little chemistry there. Not like romantically, but you're just like, oh, this person's so much fun. And um, new friends are the best because there's no history, no drama, no tension, no unmet expectations. You're like, this is great. Why didn't I meet people like this before? You did. You just got to know them longer, right? But then we have these failures and we people put people on probation. So like, I don't like the thing you did or I don't like the way this went. And so, you know, now we're this close friends and we'll see. And we'll see how, if you do the right thing and then the more right things you do that I like, then more, I'll bring you back in. Do you see how this works? You ever been disinvited for a little while? This is before Facebook. We used to just not invite people to a birthday party. Here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. You ever get that? Yeah, that's how it used to go. And so we do this to each other. And so we kind of have this preconceived notion that maybe that's how God is towards us. So we become aware of our failure and we've let him down and now he's distant. But the reality is that's all inside your own head because God's love is everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting. You can't stop that. You can't interrupt that. You can't break that down and break that up. It's impossible. Listen to the way Jesus sees it, John 10, 27. He talks to the religious leaders about how he feels about Israel and what he's going to do to save his people. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Do you see this? God's got you. He's got you. He's got you. And it doesn't, it's not just that he ignores your faults or your failures. It's not just that he pretends they're not there. He dealt with them. Do you know that? He dealt with them. They are, they are dealt with, and now God's limitless love is upon you forever. So I want to I close reading 
Isaiah 53 to you. And I want you to, I want you to read it with me or listen to it with a mind towards how God dealt with your problems and your failures so that he might fix his love upon you forever, his limitless love. Listen, Psalm 53, it'll be familiar. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. If you ever feel like your shortcomings, failures, or faults stand between you and the limitless love of God, that knows no duration or length. Look to Jesus and see how he carried it all away. And look to Jesus to see how he lives to make intercession so that there is never a gap between you and the eternal love of the Father. There is no question. There is no end.